0: Philippians chapter 2, we're going to continue walk walk through the book of Philippians. We're going to go verse 1 to verse 11. I'll read from ESV version. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in this spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit.
1: All right. Thanks, in. You guys can see on the screen here, we are in this series of Philippians. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we've been going through this uh, for the past uh, month. Uh, um, and Philippians is a letter written by Paul. I think if, uh, if you have been around church, you know the name, you know the guy, Paul, uh, and this letter is significant, I want to say, for two reasons. Number one, uh, Paul is writing this letter from prison, from actually from house arrest. He's awaiting trial, um, and he's not even sure if he's going to survive, if, if he's going to receive the death sentence. And so he's writing this in house arrest, awaiting trial, and he writes this, what he says, he writes this in joy. Uh, amidst the suffering, amidst the trials, he writes this in joy. Number two, he writes this to the church in a city called Philippi. Uh, And this is the first church that he planted on the continent of Europe. Um, And so this letter is written to the the, the people that live in this city called Philippi, and we heard from Pastor Sangmin weeks ago that this city, uh, the people are full of pride. They're full of this pride that they are Roman citizens. Uh, You guys know this past weekend Korean calendar. It's uh, what is it? Someone tell me. 개천절. Korea Foundation Day. You're going to see Korean flags lining up the streets. Korean people, they have a lot of pride in being Korean. Um, And so Paul writes this letter to uh, the, the people, the church of the city of Philippi, where people are very, pride, very proud of their citizenship, uh, and, these, and, the, and the church is also experiencing a lot of persecution, a lot of suffering, a lot of trial, and Paul urges them the same. He urges them to practice joy, and that's why we have as our, as our title for this series, The Practice of Joy. Now, this afternoon, we begin chapter 2. Um, now, it may be important to note, you know, that the Bible originally, uh, in general, and also this letter in particular, was not separated by chapters and verses. Are you guys uh, aware of that or not? Um, I don't know if you guys can imagine, you know, this is a letter that he wrote to people, that people that he knew, uh, if you can imagine if you were writing your emails to people with chapters and verse numbers and stuff. Now, Paul didn't do that. Now, the reason that that's uh, important is just because, you know, what we're, what we're looking at today as we begin chapter 2, it comes from a stream of thought, okay? This is, this is not just like, you know, something that we, I and mean, this is what we tend to do. We, 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 we choose it, and then we study it, and it sometimes can be kind of isolated. So this comes from a, a stream of thought, okay? Now, this short section, what Pastor Sangmin read for us this morning, man, it is packed. It is And we have kind of limited time today, but it's enough time. Uh, But what that means is that we won't be getting into a lot of the heavy theological uh, aspects that this passage contains, okay? And so what I want to say just up front, uh, there's really two things that I want to look at today. The first thing, the call, the invitation, the glory, the joy of living with humility And service to each other okay so service to each other and number two we will look at the model of Jesus and we looked at the model of Jesus last week really every week Uh, but we're going to look at the model of Jesus and how he is so much more than a model to follow so if you can just flip to uh, the beginning of chapter two this this, uh, this passage, passage, it begins with the word so, so. Now in our modern colloquial English, sometimes we just say so just to begin, like we kind of begin awkwardly, like hey so, uh, <laughs> you know. But really what this word so, it means it's coming from something, right? Again, the stream of thought, what Paul was talking about. Now previously, at the end of chapter 1, Paul was talking about living lives manner of the worthy of, living lives living lives in a matter manner worthy of the gospel i'm going to say that one more time living our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel i said it right he talks about standing firm in one spirit one mind side by side and not being frightened by anything and then he ends, the chapter ends by him saying, you know, we are called to this faith to believe in Jesus, but not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name. And then Paul says, so. Okay? This is where we're coming from. Now, last week, Pastor Sangmin was such a, like a, a beautiful message. We hear that, you know, live your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. And what we, what we heard last week, that this life, what What living worthy of the gospel is not living up to some kind of standard, not living up to the standard of Jesus, standard of the gospel, but actually it is living in the reality of the power of the gospel. Amen? Such an important message and distinction. So we come into chapter 2. Paul says, So, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. And he continues. Now, when we read this, it says, if, if there is, if there is any of these things, if there is. Now, it looks like it's a conditional statement, right? If you do this, then that. If this is true, then that. Now, it's kind of a conditional statement, but... Really, it is a conditional statement meant to provoke reflection. To provoke reflection on the listener. Like, okay, do, have, I, have I any encouragement? Have I experienced any comfort? Have I participated? And to provoke reflection and to remember what is theirs because of Jesus. Now, here's a problem up front that when I read this, I'm like, man, this is... This is a this is kind of the first this is the first hurdle but what if you don't perceive these things in your life what if you don't feel encouragement or comfort or participation in the spirit or affection or sympathy what if what if you don't Now I would venture this is not really an answer but I would venture to suggest that if we don't experience these things if we haven't grasped these things and we really we haven't grasped the gospel then it means that we haven't really grasped our sin our depravity our need for a savior A lot of times when I'm kind of thinking about things, when I'm talking to people, you know, like, Jesus, we need Jesus. Like, if you don't perceive a need for a Savior, then, you know, you don't really need Jesus. At least you you think you don't, right? And then, really, there's no good news. But let me just explain the gospel. You know, last week, Pastor Thomas was like, man, we we end every service with the gospel. And we're going to do it again today as well. But let me also open up with the gospel. We have a need. And this is not meant to be fire and brimstone. This is not to pile guilt on anybody or shame. But you and I have a great need. And we live before a holy God. He is the giver of life. And yet our disposition... Our disposition, again, as we heard last week, our disposition, when we're born, we're born into this distrust of God. Our disposition and our willing actions, we are, we like, we constantly, we set ourselves up to be God, not to worship God. In our decisions, in the ways that we think and want, the ways that we order our life, we are just, we set ourselves up to be God of our own kingdoms And in word and thought and deed, things that we do, things that we don't do, we sin. And our sin deserves punishment. God is a holy God. And our sin deserves punishment. It deserves death. But the gospel is that God, rich in his mercy, because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ. Amen? saved us by grace not by works not because we prove ourselves or try 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 not by efforts to live up to the gospel but living in the reality of the gospel that Jesus has paid for our lives for our souls and that frees us from sin and frees us into life and into his glorious light amen So why does Paul say this? Why does he say, if there is any of these things, if there is any of these things? Now, Paul, he is a pastor. He's a pastor. I don't know, a lot of times we, I don't know what I do. I I just read the Bible, and I kind of disconnect Paul from a real person and who he is in his heart. But Paul, above above so many things that he is, but he he is a pastor. And he is, his desire is before giving a directive, before saying, hey, do this, before saying, you know, you need to do this, you need to live this way, He wants to encourage them. He wants to remind them. He wants to show them what is real. Hey, guys, can you remember what is real? Why is it worthwhile? The things that I'm about to say, the challenges that I'm about to bring forth, why are they worthwhile? They are worthwhile because, don't you remember, we are encouraged in Christ. We are comforted in his love. We have this amazing, this this graceful participation in the spirit, affection, and simply all these things. To remember that remembering remembering these things actually empowers us to accomplish what is being asked, okay? Now, verse 2, Paul says, complete my joy, Now, if you you were to kind of open up your Bible and to read and and read again uh, chapter 1 and just read as the logical flow of things into chapter 2, Paul could have just used logical argument and said, because of these things, because you believe in Jesus, because you say you're a Christian, then do this. But Paul says, complete my joy. Again, because of his pastoral heart. Paul, I'm convinced, Paul was modeling. Paul was modeling. He says, complete my joy. Guys, this is what brings me joy. And if you have received Jesus' love, if you have been forgiven, if this good news is good news to you, the gospel, if it's good news to you, then this should also bring you joy. And he's inviting the Philippians. And along with them, he's inviting us into the practice of joy. That pursuing these things that he's about to say same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, that these things is a practice of joy, that it brings joy to completion, to fullness. And Paul is inviting us to share in this joy. Verse 3, Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition, or vain conceit, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. You know, in some translations, the reason I say this is because when I read this verse or when I think about it, I, I, I remember reading, uh, consider others better than yourselves. Does anybody have that in your mind? Consider others better than yourselves. Um, you know, Elise, my daughter, she uh, she's riding a bike now. Uh, she's four and a half years old, riding without training wheels. She's riding, man. Yes, I'm bragging. I'm bragging a little bit. I think it's so cool. Um, but every time I take her biking, she looks at me and she says, "Dad, I'm better than you. I ride my bike so well. I'm so good. I ride better than you." And I and I, and I usually I don't answer her, uh, but man, is this what Paul is saying, to consider others better than yourselves? Like, it would not make any sense for me to consider Elise a better bike rider than me, right? Now, she, granted, she is riding her bike much, much earlier than I did, uh, but at this point, right now, like, I'm way better than her, <laughs> I, and, and it would be wrong for me to, like, say, you know what, you're right, you're better than me, so why don't you just go ride by, go ride by yourself, you know? She doesn't, she doesn't know, like, safety rules, riding on the street and, and, and just doing things. She can't. She, but it would be, it doesn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense for me to consider her better than me. So obviously, right, obviously that's not what Paul is saying. And so we have in our version here, consider others. I'm lost. Where is it? Da-da-da-da-da. Consider others. Count others more significant than yourselves. Is that more helpful? Translation? Consider others more significant now there was a time uh, when Mina's uncle let us use one of his cars Uh, (laughs) they did they had a BMW just kind of on the street sitting there that they didn't use and they said hey why don't you guys just use this car yeah I'm like okay cool and so we started driving this BMW around. Evan, he used to, whenever he, when he saw me driving this thing, he would call me Hejangnim, which is like boss, CEO, because it was like the CEO status of a car. It was like, it was nice. And it's funny, not long after I started driving this thing, like it really affected how I drove on the streets, man. I would drive, And if I saw a BMW or a Mercedes or, you know, kind of a car at that level, and they would signal in, I'd be like, yeah, man, come on, brother, come on in. I would yield to that driver, to that car. And if it was any car less than that, (laughs) I'm like, heck no, man, get behind me. I I would close the gap. Now, this is definitely not counting others more significant than yourselves, right? Now part of this story is that's just how I drive, kind of in Korea. I, you, close, you, you, close the, <laughs> you close the gap. Um, but what would then in you know, carrying this scenario forward, like what would driving, just in this scenario, what would driving look like if we considered others? More significant than ourselves. If we if we drove without selfish ambition or vain conceit, what would it mean? Would it mean not driving a BMW? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I would have thought that when I was a little bit younger. But it's true, man. This BMW it handles so so well. So if safety is like your priority and you and you have the means, you know, I don't know. Um, that aside, what would driving what would driving look like? You know, I, for sure, it would not be treating other drivers based on how nice their cars are, right? And also, I think it would also not be treating others based on how they're treating me. I don't know if you guys if who, who drives here there's some drivers. Okay, not, not a lot of you guys, but I think you've experienced it, even in the bus, even in a taxi. I think you've experienced it. You can see it. Um, but like, if I, so so here's one thing. In this culture, like yielding for people when they signal, it's, it's, it's not a thing. And when people do yield, you expect that car to give you a little hazard. Thank you. That's a that's thing here. They, they, they punch the hazard lights, the ding, ding, thank you, and then they go on. But man, my heart, man, when they don't give me that hazard and I've yielded for them, ah, I want to take out my bazooka and get them, right? I mean, this is, this is my sinful heart. But what would it look like considering others <laughs> better than myself? Then it wouldn't be treating them based on if they, if they signal thank you to me or not, right? So what, I don't know, I think it would have something to do with recognizing, you know, that these vehicles, they're not just obstacles. They're not just obstacles in my way to get, like in my way to get, for me to get to where I want to go, right? They're not just vehicles. They're people. They're people with schedules, with stress. With, with things that they need to do, with, with bad mornings, with, you know, like, they're, they're, they're people. They're not just obstacles. They're not just idiots. <laughs> so, at the same time, I know, I know, guys, if I can just milk this, uh, milk this out just a little bit more. You know, it wouldn't mean yielding to every single car. You know, if you've been in the right lane, and there's a lane coming in, the cars that are rushing, trying to get in front of you. Like I, I, I'm sure it doesn't mean yielding to every single car that signals for you, because, you know, in traffic, in heavy traffic, that means you're not going to get to where you want to go, ever, but it's also being really, really inconsiderate in, in to the cars behind you, right? So, it's not that, but it means considering others worthy of my service. Count others more significant than yourselves. Count others worthy of your service. Again, you know, there's times you, you're, you're in a legitimate hurry. You got to go. But it doesn't mean, hey, idiot, get behind me. Counting others... Worthy of service. And Paul continues, don't just look to your own interests, but look to the interests of others. Love others. Love others as you love yourself, right? We know this. And this is a rare thing, I think. We need to see it. We need to, we need to see it. to to know what that looks like. You know, kids learn from parents, right? Kids learn from parents much more than the rules that you give them. They learn what you show them. They learn from the modeling. You know, earlier we heard from Connie and just sharing her testimony. Now, what a model herself amidst the suffering, amidst the pain, what she and her family, she's got a husband Changwan and a and a young son, Ian. This kind of this suffering beyond what she can bear. And she has suffered time and time again. And you know, just as she testified, like she as she surrenders to God, that she's experienced God's presence, his peace, his care amidst the buckets of tears but she's experienced even joy amidst this time and time again and there are needs you know pastor sangmin he kind of he walked us through a couple things ways that we can support their family there are needs there are burdens that the family that she has to bear and with that are opportunities for us. Yes, opportunities to help her, but you know this is not this is not efforts to, you know, tug at our pity, to feel just bad for her. This is actually this is nothing less than a powerful opportunity to share in and complete each other's joy. We're called to serve one another for joy. And so as Pastor Sangmin shared, you know, we got a sign-up sheet in the back. Man, let's, let's complete joy together in this community. There's been uh, announcements we've been announcing every week that, we, you know, we have a kids ministry. You guys see them. We see the kids running around. And we have, a, we have a big need. We need kids. We need, we need people to serve the kids. And maybe you're not aware of like exactly what those needs are, but let me tell you, we have... Oh, man, how many kids do we have? Who knows the number? How many kids do we have? 20? I think, I think that's about right. 20 kids... And every week we got a couple parents to help. Now, in recent past, we had um, we had Grace Miller helping out there. Then we had Chelsea Jones helping out there. And right now we got Matthew Whitlock uh, helping uh, lead in that effort. But man, we need people to come and help and to serve our kids. You know, we're looking for uh, to fill a, a paid position for a kids director. But even with that, like we need people to commit to serve. Now this is not to guilt trip you or to, you know, but this again, man, to highlight. There's so many opportunities to share, and complete each other's joy. Let us move in joy, serve each other, and complete this joy. Now, verse five, Paul says, "Have this mind." have this mind among you which is yours in Christ. And then it launches into what is called the, uh, the hymn of Christ or, or the Christ hymn, verses 6 through 10. Now, earlier when I said that this, this passage is, is rich in a theological, theological even debate, okay? And, and again, we're, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna go into it um, but in this hymn of Christ, uh, verse, starting at verse 5, starting, sorry, starting at verse 6, you know, Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Let's keep going. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, just, there's, there's, like, kind of theological questions, like, what does it mean, the form, what does it mean, like, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, looking at just the specific words that Paul used in, in Greek, and translations into English, and, you know, how things don't, they don't quite, they don't quite uh, do justice, but even then, there's still, it's just, like, this mystery. <laughs> but what we have here is this, Really, this rich indication of who God is and who Jesus is. That yes, he is fully man and he is fully God, this impossible math. (laughs) But we have here this description of who Jesus is. Once in glory, you know, existing with God from all eternity, before the creation of all things, and he humbled himself. And walk this earth as a human, first being born as a baby in the dirt, and walk this earth and live the life of service, so much so in obedience, so much so to death on a cross. Now, Jesus in this passage, he's clearly and definitely being raised as an example, as a model of humility for sure he is this is jesus a model of humility and we again we need that model but or and he's so much more than just a model you know last week pastor sangman he he talked about how the that the gospel the gospel is the only model and motive for our lives and our like the way that we're trying that we're living our lives as christians But again, the gospel is, it's the free gift given to us, not because we deserve it. And here we have Jesus, the model of humility, but so much more than a model. Because number one, you know, Jesus, he's an impossible standard. And number two, so much more than a model. Verse 9 continues, therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name above every name, so that at his name, every knee would bow, every tongue confess, and all of this to the glory of God. Now remember the cross, crucifixion, we don't have it anymore. Thank the Lord. But at that time, 2,000 years ago, in Rome, it wasn't a convenient way of executing prisoners. It wasn't like, hey, this is just what we do. This was like the worst of the worst, the most shameful, psychologically, emotionally, socially, the most shameful and the most painful of executions. This torment being paraded through the city, Jesus had to carry this instrument of death and shame all through the city, and then get nailed to the cross, hung there in front of everyone as a spectacle. And it is precisely this this humiliation, precisely this crucifixion that is grounds for his exaltation. Therefore, God has, I'm like pointing here because there's a screen here. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place. Jesus, more, so much more than an example. And this is not to drive us into pity. Again, this is not pity. Jesus does not need our pity. And you look at this, and this is glory. What? This is glory. Fully and particularly revealed that Jesus revealed God's nature in being on the cross. Service, humility, and this is the God we worship. That Jesus revealed men in, in, this, in this new way who God is, the character of God, who the God that we worship is. This is the God that humbles himself and dies the death that you and I deserve. And therefore, Jesus is glorified, exalted, name above every name. In Revelation chapter 5 uh, if, you, if you read, there's this, there's this thing where, like, seals are being broken and, 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 and uh, scrolls are being opened, like, to, to reveal, to bring to completion God's will. And there's this last scroll, this last uh, seal, and, and, and the angel's are like, who is worthy, who is worthy to open this scroll? And the lamb who was slain comes, and it is the lamb who was slain who is worthy to open the scroll because he was slaughtered, because he died for and paid for, the nations. This is our God. And we are invited into this glory. So again, remember, I'm wrapping up here. Remember, chapter 1, Paul's talking about suffering. You're called to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name. And if you guys know, if if you've ever suffered, you know that suffering tends to bring isolation, doesn't it? when you're really suffering it tends to bring isolation but we are here we're called to serve and to care for one another to consider each other and each other's burdens each other's sufferings as more significant than our own to share in each other's suffering let that be our worship to share in each other's burdens and then we share in God's glory, and we share in joy. Amen? It's hard to say amen to, but amen? We're going to transition, and I'm going to invite us in joy into his table. Every week, our service culminates here at the Table of Communion. Jesus declared to his disciples that his body and blood are given for the forgiveness of sins, for the sustenance of our souls, his body and his blood. So if you have the elements, please take those out.